Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. This is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. I have Alex on today from Remote Bridge, and we're going to be learning all about Remote Bridge. And that's going to be fun, and, and I can't wait to actually learn. Alex, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Remote Bridge? Of course. Well, first, William, thanks for having me. Sure. Um, yeah, my name is Alex Sheshnoff, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Remote Bridge. We help medium to large companies to build and retain remote teams using immersive 3D. So like avatars running around a virtual world, but without the goggles or or downloads. So in, I hate software categories, Alex. So I'll just admit my bias here. But a lot of HR and recruiting budgets are built in Excel or Google Sheets, whatever. So where do y'all fall? Like where do you where do you see your customers kind of pulling budget from? to help fund what the work that they're doing with you? Yeah, f- fundamentally, we are an employee engagement platform. Okay. So it, it falls under other sort of workplace productivity tools like Slack and Zoom and everything else. So it's, it's a way of connecting people who are otherwise feeling disconnected. Have, have people thrown employee experience as well? Because in there, I'm just kicking engagement. So many people were, especially last year, so many people were talking about EX do they throw you there as well? Yeah, they do. And we're okay with that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk about the your initial thesis when you started the company. You wanted to solve X. And then let's talk about, go through some of the features of the solution itself and talk a little bit about it. Yeah, for sure. The thesis, and it's proving true, is that we started during the pandemic and people were suddenly cast adrift from one another and trying to figure out how to remain connected and cohesive as a team and have everybody on the same page when it comes to like mission, culture, and values, those kind of things. And we we sensed early that that Zoom while and video conferencing, while it has a role, pretty soon Zoom fatigue was setting in and people were turning off their cameras and they were multitasking. And at the time, I was working for a, another company and we were doing a thousand live webinar trainings a year in HR. And we were looking for different ways to, to engage our customers. And, and so we started thinking about VR and AR and immersive 3D. And, and then we ended up landing on immersive 3D, which is really just, again, just like avatars, and but there's no goggles. There's a lot of resistance and issues with goggles. And cost. Lot, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And a third of wares get nauseous or seasick, and it will get better over time. But but for non-gamers, it, it's a pretty steep curve. And it's also, it's a download. It's an application you have to download, and that creates a lot of security issues. And so we decided to make a, an immersive environment that was browser-based that you could just click on a link to access. And the audio works the same way as as, as we're talking here and or as people talk in video conference but but we're fine but anyway so it grew out of it grew out of the pandemic in effect and when a lot of people have shifted uh, structurally to remote work and are going to stay that way and yet how do you engage employees and keep them retained and loyal 
when they're just when they're zooming into one company, they can zoom into another company. So that's where we fit in. I want to ask you because first of all, I love the the thing that that I've seen with AR and VR and headsets in particular is it's not as inclusive, like it's a socioeconomics, right? So some of it's like the headgear is expensive. Okay, so you got that. And you got to buy another thing and learn a new technology. Okay, all that stuff. But also it's just socioeconomically, it's just like you're just going to, you're going to cut off a third of the universe that they just can't ever, they don't have the bandwidth, literally the bandwidth, or they can't buy the applications. But so I like this approach. And I want to ask you about training and onboarding in particular. So we jumped right into employee engagement experience, but I can see applicability to a lot of other things that HR goes through. I appreciate that one. Yeah, I totally agree on everything you're saying. And just to go back to the goggles, just for just one moment, we work with 19 of the Fortune 100 are paying clients and they're like, they're big tech forward companies like Intel and Microsoft and Google. And you think, okay, if you work for Intel, you are you are very tech heavy, but like we're working with like the accounting department or the or like the graphic design department. They have thirty people doing graphic design for their annual report. Or we'll work with the patent department, so they're not all coders. And right. you know, for somebody for Diane and accounting, like just being in an avatar form and using the arrow keys to move around, that's that is super cool and fun and engaging. But the goggles would just be it would be. It would be a, there'd be a lot of friction and and getting her engaged and she's she's happy just being in avatar form. The gamers, by the way, the gamers are like, "Where are the zombies? I'm gonna blow stuff up." Like, no, no, we don't need zombies. <laughs> and there's nothing to blow up. But but so people so far like it's just bringing such such joy to to you know what otherwise might be a fairly mundane day. I just want to. It's okay if I just play a quick audio clip just to oh, yeah, like yeah, people yeah. can get a sense of what of what the sort of experience is like. I know we're on audio only, but this is this is some audio that we just captured from an event recently. It was actually an Intel event, and there's like these two people are watching their boss dancing in avatar form, and this is what they what it sounds like. It's just like twelve seconds. Oh, sorry, one second. Oh, I didn't hit the share button. One second. Please bear with me. Okay. Now you will hear it. Three, two, one. <laughs> oh my God. I'm dying. I am dying. Go Which is what you'd hear in like real life. If you're at the office or you had a party or something like that, there was some type of bonding experience. That would be normal, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So in, and I think Zoom and video conferencing has a way of getting everybody, it's very efficient and it's very agenda driven, but it's not so good for the sort of like structured serendipity that you need to create right. cohesive teams. And so that's where we have a role to play. The other thing that happens in Zoom is that if you get more than five people in a Zoom meeting, there's one person, it's usually like a guy who's talking a lot and everybody's responding to him and it's a sort of hub and spoke thing and it's not so conversational. And uh, so you need to get people off script again and people are turning off their, turning off a camera and they're checking their emails and they're, they're multitasking. But when you are in avatar form and you're dancing and doing backflips and doing collaborative problem solving, you are engaged and you are present. And, and so we're, of course, very excited about it. But can I just go back to your question about yeah, onboarding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, onboarding, we're really excited about. We we were approached by, let me back up. We were working with a company called Veritas out of Silicon Valley. They have 7,000 employees. And we were helping them with their onboarding. 
and our, our and they loved it and they kept coming back and we were doing training and sort of avatar based training like engagement during the first 90 days so this is not um this is not compliance and filling out forms but this is actually like that initial cultural immersion with the company and it was going well and then our primary contact was poached by amazon aws to help improve their onboarding right now they're or when they came to us, their onboarding involved like watching 26 videos at home alone and then taking a quiz based on those videos, right? So their scores were, were, weren't great. Amazon, of course, measures everything. So they came to us and they said, can you improve this process? And over a series of months and trials, we have really dialed it in so much better for them. And now they're doing some of their onboarding for AWS on the sales side in our platform. And the results are terrific. Like 85% of people said they would have been more excited to be part of the Amazon team if they had come, if they'd done their initial onboarding on our platform. Information retention is up by 75%. And so now they're talking about rolling it out organization-wide, which is of course exciting. But I, I think a lot of companies are facing that that same kind of problem, which is how do you engage people in the first 90 days? you agree with that, Wayne? 100%. I think I've... Yeah, I've thought this for a while. I think in the onboarding experience, the way that probably you and I went through it with a binder or a day or you're in a conference room, it's just like sterile and kind of event. They come out of recruiting and we where we've romanced them and listened to them and talked to them and there's all this wonderful engagement. And, and all of a sudden we drop them off in, board, and in onboarding and it's just really sterile. And so I, I think, A, fixing that part and kind of kin continuing the, hey, this is a great company. You made the right decision. This is a great company. You're going to have fun. The work's going to be the work. Team's going to be the team, et cetera. But pulling that excitement through, and I think it goes on much longer than 90 days. Like, I think we're, to a certain degree, where does the line of onboarding and engagement stop? Like what? It, I think it's blurred. And that's okay, actually, in my in my opinion, that you're never not onboarding. Like you, company just brought brand new software. You've been there 20 years. You've got to engage them and train them and onboard them into a new system. So it's, I don't know. I don't know if that's the fuzziness of onboarding, like where, because there used to be real clear lines of demarcation. Like it was hmm. 90 days or the oh, a week or something like that. It's, okay. You've been onboarded. Now you're go with your manager <laughs> and good luck. <laughs> Godspeed a little middle. But I think it's, I think it's blurry now, especially with remote work. What, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. We have, one of our clients said something like, if you don't get onboarding, you end up with disengaged employees who leave or disengaged employees who stay. <laughs> but either way. Oh, it's wow. <laughs> That's really good. That is, I'm going to use that because that is really good. Because again, it's something you can control. Mm -hmm. Like you, it's an experience, right? Like any experience, you can control this. You can, there's a symphony, you can manufacture it. You can control it. And if you don't, this is the result, disengagement. Right. And before the sort of onset of, of, of remote work at scale, like we're seeing now, you, people were a little more trapped depending on where they live. And now they can work globally in effect for any company. And so you got to keep, you got to keep these folk, your team engaged and excited to be part of the team. As you say, like th throughout the, the entire employee sort of life cycle. Right. And, and training. So like I could see this experience and what you built with remote bridge doing or helping people train 
Like, like I could see it because it's kind of, it's fun, it's visual, it's a different way of thinking about it. And we're constantly thinking about skills and skills development. So how can, you know, the applicability, how can we use remote bridge to actually help people learn something new and interact with each other in kind of a learning and development, training and development type way? Yeah, for sure. We work with a Harvard professor who is, uh, he's in the Department of Education and focuses on e-learning uh-huh. and and he's helping us guide this sort of how we structure the content. In general, what we have found is that you, you have to use sort of movement in the 3D environment because if your avatar is not moving, if you're not right. taking advantage of the medium, like in some ways you might as well be in Zoom if you're just getting where you can see facial expressions. And right. so, it, but in a movement context, then it's really good for, we have these this feature where you can turn on these private sound spaces in this courtyard and around these tables. And so people can wander in between from table to table. That's very difficult to do in a right. video conference situation. You can go to a breakout room, but suddenly the screen goes black and you can't see who's in, <laughs> right, who's in right. which room. And so for, for role-playing, it's, it's especially effective. And the other use case that we are working in, in, in partnership with another company is, is to recreate a sort of a retail environment where it's like a big box retailer. And because as, like the store layouts are pretty consistent from store to store, there's some variation, but we can right. recreate that environment. And, and there's huge turnover in that industry. And so grocery, I know the numbers on it, something like 50, 50% of employees turn over every 90 days. Wow. Crazy. And the number one reason they cite for leaving the job is they felt like they were not given the tools to do their job well, which is like a very narrow and to me, like surprising reason. So we can using sort of immersive 3D, we can make the initial training more engaging. We can help them retain it better and make it more consistent because right now, a lot of times the training is done by whoever the manager on duty happens to be. And if right. they're having a good day or a bad day, or if they have time, they don't have time. And it's very inconsistent. And we can re- we can say, we can also do like product location training. So you like keep going through until you get all the product locations right. We can do simulations where there's like a shoplifter in aisle three and a spill in aisle four and you got to triage it. Oh, so I love that. I think there's some really, yeah, some for sure, some really interesting applications. And again, they're not goggle-based. I know Walmart and some others are going towards goggles, but it's hard to scale in for a lot of uh, distri- distributed workforces. In, right, in right. It's, that scenario that you, do, you mentioned with retail, it's, again, employee comes in, there's fires somewhere, something's not being done, and they don't get the training or the attention or the engagement that they needed. They're just thrown into something. I think role-playing, like you, you mentioned, is so important in those environments. But also, I was thinking about it when you first said role-playing. I'm like, this would be so great in a sales environment. To go mm-hmm. over objection response stuff, be, being able to actually, you're the prospect, I'm the salesperson. Okay, go. And then flipping that around and letting everyone else be a part of that, I think that would be just a fantastic use of it. Yeah, yeah. we have had, it's not our core focus, but we have right. had clients who've come in and used that, especially on the tech side where they're trying to engage their, their partners or their potential clients. Right now, for the most part, they have to go to Zoom or video conference and then they share a screen. Maybe it's a PowerPoint. And again, the client is just like the employee, they're multitasking, their camera's off, but you put them, sometimes they do it in an avatar form and they're mixing it up with some games and some prizes and depending on this, the style of the meeting. But but in any case, they're using Immersive 3D to further engage the client. So for sure, I totally agree. There's a great use case there too. 
So we'll switch to some of the buy side stuff for just a second. What's your favorite part of the demo? What do you love showing people? And, or what are they, the aha moment for prospects? Like where do they get, kind of get turned on? At the very beginning, we always just, we pull up our avatar changing room where somebody can customize their avatar. And when they see that they can, they can have avatars that are in wheelchairs or, and that, that, or not, and that they can sort of customize to really reflect who they think of themselves as, that's pretty exciting. Also, the hairstyles are generally better than people's hair in real life. (laughs) So our hairstyles were designed by an Emmy award-winning hairstylist to the stars. (laughs) Some people will spend like two minutes in there. Some people spend like 45 getting it totally dialed in. Then they go from there and they like they enter our sort of virtual island on their browser and suddenly they're like this person that this character that kind of that looks like them is doing backflips and dancing better than they do in real life and they're just like they're all in they're just like this is so cool. Okay, first of all, thank you for that. The next thing I want to ask you is uh, with if you can't naming names, I'm not really interested in the brands, but like where you've seen a company use remote bridge and you're just like, you're falling in love with the way that they've used it. And again, you don't have to use brand names. I'm really just thinking about the experience itself. For sure. So there is, there's a very big, there's a very big company that came to us and they initially did a small workshop with nine people. And then they're like, Oh, this is cool. And then they came back with 50 people and they did a team building event and then they did another, then they did a holiday party. We have a version of our island that's covered in snow and has like secular holiday decorations with 125 people. And then they came back and said, oh, can we get, can, you know, can we have 29,000 of our European employees come through this as well? And we like that use case. <laughs> and a lot of times, another one of our clients is really helping us. We try to, on the product side, we try to have it have our customer have our customers drive the product development. So we are now working with a very large company who is helping us build out our analytics. And we have some analytics, but we're in the process of building them out. So we're going to be able to measure everything from, of course, like use time, but mic engagement, also like backflips per hour, like crazy stats. <laughs> and that same cu- customers also we're building out in the process of building out translation tools. And so somebody right speaking in Japanese will be understood by a Portuguese speaker. And that is technologically possible uh, right now. It's a, it's a heavy lift, but we're going to be able to, we're going to be able to offer that. And that to me is super cool. So I love it when their customers are helping us drive the product. Because it's a new category for some folks, what are some of the questions that, that you would love buyers, prospective buyers to ask you? Because again, like ATS is, I think it's now a 55-year-old software category. Time in attendance has been around since, I think, the dinosaurs. So <laughs> like the buyers of those things, they got a battery of questions. They know the questions they need to ask. But with something like with Remote Bridge, what are the questions that they should ask? I appreciate that question. One that really comes to mind is how can we use this for recruiting? So we do have we do these hosted career fairs that are two hours long and it's it's an alternative for the company to to increase their sort of the quality of the and volume of the candidates that they're seeing and so we source all the and screen all the candidates but it's so much better than trying to drive candidates to a, sort of a, a an antiquated career site with stock photographs and forms there's no energy there and so for a company to be able to say oh yeah we're having a career fair and it's company time over this period over this 2 hour block and find out what we're doing and we'll get a chance to meet with you 
And that is, I love that use of the technology. What we're finding is that that 45% of the candidates who attend these events are advanced to a second round of interviews and oh, a quarter cool. are advanced to a third and 12% end up being hired, which is a huge number. That's, yeah, that's massive. Right? And is it anything, I want to focus generational, but is there anything industry-wise or that you've seen in the data in terms of age or anything like that kind of pulls through? Because that's a, yeah. 12% is a huge number. I'm just wondering, because when recruiters hear this, <laughs> they're going to get really excited. But also, like, it, is it working better in one place rather than another? Yeah. What we're finding is that where I think we have the most value to add is early to mid-career technical and sales and marketing positions. Right. The more senior somebody is, the more they probably already know the company and the company already knows them. So it is, yeah, early to mid-career and technical and sales and marketing. The other really fun stat for us is that 88% of the people who attend these career fairs say that they leave with an improved perception of the client's brand and culture. So even if they're not hired, they're more likely to be evangelists for the company. And so that's that feels to me like like a big win. I think we have a lot of value to offer for for like good companies that are great to work for, but may not be nationally recognized brands. Google right. and Disney, they're getting yeah. all the applications. They yeah, have. they don't struggle. No, there's right. no struggle. But if, but if you're like an insurance company, you may be like you may be a great place to work, but people aren't like excited to like brag about it at Thanksgiving lunch, Thanksgiving dinner that they work right. for whatever insurance company. But so I think we can help them like show and not just say, but show that their culture is fun and tech forward. And, and so I think that's a really exciting use case too. Drops Mike, walks off stage. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been wonderful. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been super fun. Absolutely. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.